Thank you for listening to the Park Church Podcast. I hope you enjoy the sermon. Well, these are unusual times, aren't they? I never thought I'd be sitting in the manse here and addressing the congregation through these means of technology. We want to thank Gregor here and Graeme Stangle, who has enabled us to use Zoom on Sunday morning and also to put this onto YouTube. And whoever you're listening to it, whether it's through Zoom or YouTube, it's good to be in fellowship together and to be able to share together what God is saying to us. But having said that, I and indeed many of my colleagues actually feel that perhaps it is a time for silence. God has spoken. As a congregation over these past years, we've heard God speak through his word. I can say to you, I don't compare myself to the Apostle Paul, but I can honestly say that I have not hesitated in to declare the whole counsel of God. And that counsel includes the truth that God speaks through history and the events of our world and reveals his purposes to his church and to his people through his word, but also in these events. And we're living through events. We're living through this virus, this COVID-19, a virus which itself is not good, but a virus which has also had serious impact on our society, on our economy, and on the social cohesion of all that's round about us. And I know that many of us probably listening to this are very concerned. We are aware that we're going to be perhaps in lockdown for several weeks. We have loved ones who are concerned about their health. Indeed, there are some members of our congregation who would appear to have suffered from the virus or who at present are undergoing examination as to what's wrong with them. And so we have many concerns and it would be very easy and indeed very understandable for me this morning to recite a whole series of promises that would make us feel better. And I can understand that. We often reach out for comfort food at a time like this, a sweetie or something that's going to make us feel better. But we are also aware that comfort food, sweets, soft drinks, all these sort of things, sugary, syrupy things that we take might feel us, might help us feel better for a short time, but are actually in the long term detrimental to our health. And indeed, so often the church has failed to produce a proper diet for God's people, a diet that includes difficult things, things that are challenging, things that perhaps provoke a response, we'd rather have the sweet comfort food that makes us feel better for the season, but leaves us unprepared for these challenging times. We should have been, and I hope we are, like Joseph and the people of Israel who were in Egypt, who found there a bounty that Joseph had prepared during seven years of plenty, so that when the famine came, there would be food in plenty for God's people. We should have stored up in our hearts and our minds an abundance of God's good things, so that in these days, when we're no longer able to worship together publicly, and when many other things are taken from us, we can draw on that reserve. We can find in God's word and our own devotions before the Lord a strength. Perhaps we've not done that, and we find ourselves spiritually hungry, and the cupboards bare. We've been caught out. We haven't stockpiled in a sense. And now we find ourselves spiritually with very serious questions and with very serious struggles. Let's hear from God's word. 
as we reflect together. I'm going to read some verses that were actually brought to Elizabeth the other night when she couldn't sleep, and during the night she was drawn to these verses, to this chapter from the book of the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 26. And I would encourage you, if you have your Bibles, to open them so that we can read together. Isaiah 26 and from verse 1. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God makes salvation its walls and ramparts. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps faith. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast, because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. He humbles those who dwell on high. He lays the lofty city low. He levels it to the ground and casts it down to the dust. Feet trample it down, the feet of the oppressed, the footsteps of the poor. The path of the righteous is level. You, the upright one, make the way of the righteous smooth. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. My soul yearns for you in the night, and in the morning my spirit longs for you. This is a chapter given by the prophet to God's people. They actually weren't in exile at that time. Indeed, in many ways, things seemed to be going okay. But it was a promise given by God through his prophet to his people, preparing them for challenging times. The whole prophet Isaiah, speaking through a whole series of events in history, speaks God's word of warning and of judgment upon Israel and upon Judah for the rebellion against God, but also God's word of promise, of hope, of restoration, of a new beginning, and of course, supremely, of the suffering servant, the one who is the fulfillment of all God's promises. And this chapter and this section of the book of Isaiah is meant to be sung a song of praise in that day. That day is when God will bring down people's pride despite the cleverness of their hands, that he will bring down their high fortified walls and lay them low. He will bring them down to the ground to the very dust, the very end of chapter 25. It's a song that's to be sung in a day of judgment. I'm sure many of us, are upset this morning that we can't join together in worship and church. And quite rightly, I have no problem with the government recommending, indeed more than recommending, telling us that our buildings should not be open for public worship. That is the first time in recent history, in modern history, that has happened in our country or indeed in the West. Closed churches. Now, of course, as I say, that's for medical reasons. We can understand that, and we hope that that's only for a few weeks. But that in itself is a challenge. Read the book of Lamentation. Jeremiah weeps of how the high places of God, the places where people met to worship God, had been torn down. They were no longer used for worship. And he laments over that. And he sees in that, in God's sovereign hand and will, a word of warning. A warning to God's people that the day of salvation will draw to a close. The day of judgment comes. The day of hope and new beginning is offered, but the day of final reckoning also draws nigh. And as we gather this morning or this afternoon or whenever it is you're watching this, in your home and by whatever means, as we're warned of God's judgment that the places of worship are closed, we're also encouraged to remind ourselves that ultimately a salvation doesn't lie in a building or in a particular denomination or institution. 
our salvation is in God. We have a strong city. God makes salvation its walls and ramparts. Our hope, our destiny, our belonging is in him. Not in what I might say as a minister or in what song, however worthy a Christian song it may be that we will listen to, or what indeed anyone else may say, our salvation lies in God alone. He is our salvation. And as salvation, it's a hope, it's a promise that's given to those who are righteous. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps faith. This is a promise for believers, for Christians, for those whose trust, as he says, is in the Lord, the Lord who is the rock eternal, verse 4. And I suppose we all have to challenge ourselves. Where ultimately is our trust in these challenging times? Is it in our own health, in the well-being? Well, we see what a virus can do to that. Is it even in the church and an institution? Well, it's closed for this season and for this moment. Or is it in God? Is it in God alone, the one who in Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life? Because only in him are these promises applicable. All the promises of God find their yes and amen in Jesus Christ but it's important to remember that these promises are for believers. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. He says the path of the righteous is level. You, the upright one, make the way of the righteous smooth. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you, your name and renown and the desire of our hearts. The promises of God, the promise that he'll never leave us nor forsake us, the promise that even though we walk through the valley of a shadow, he will be with us, the promise of eternity and the promise of his presence here and now are for those who put their trust in him. That's a great comfort. And I know as I phoned round this week, many of us, many of our members, many of our friends, Many have spoken of how they found afresh in these challenging times just how real God's presence, God's help, God's comfort and God's hope is. We need to rejoice in that. This is a song of praise. We need to celebrate that in the kind of people we are, not filled with fear or anxiety, not inward looking, not filled with just self-interest. We can display to others, even though we've got to keep a social distance from them, we can display with to others in our conversation by phone, by text, by email, or across the garden fence, that our hope is in the God and that peace which does pass all human understanding, that shalom of God in the midst of storm, that is that peace that God offers those who are his. But we must also be careful not to take these promises and apply them like some sort of band-aid or a whitewash. Whenever there's plagues in the Bible, God uses that to call people to repentance. And it's important that as people express their care and concern, while naturally we want to comfort them, while rightly we provide a listening ear, we also point them to the God who alone in Jesus Christ can make them safe and not take out of context the promises for God's people as if they're promises for everybody, because they're not. And it goes on to remind us of that. The psalmist talks about how his soul yearns for God in the night and in the morning. My spirit longs for you. The importance of having ongoing communication with the Lord. Take 
time to be holy. We've got plenty of time at the moment. We're stuck in our homes. We're, we're, we're not able to do as much as we maybe once did. Although perhaps many of our older members are used to being quiet and in their homes. We need, we need to learn from them to be still in my soul. Like a weaned child, as the psalmist says. To be still and know that there is God. And to make time in these times to wait for the Lord. And to long for him. Because, the, the, the prophet goes on to say, when your judgments, the second part of verse 9, when your judgments come upon the earth, the people of the world learn righteousness. But when grace is shown to the wicked, they do not learn righteousness. Even in a land of uprightness, they go on doing evil. They do not regard the majesty of the Lord. Lord, your hand is lifted high, but they do not see it. Let them see your zeal for your people and be put to shame. Let the fire reserved for your enemies consume them. Lord, you established peace for us. For all that we have accomplished, you have done for us. Lord our God, other lords beside you have ruled over us, but your name alone do we honor. They are now dead, they live no more, the spirits do not rise. You punished them and brought them to ruin. You wiped out all memory of them. You have enlarged the nation, Lord. You have enlarged the nation. You have gained glory for yourself. You have extended all the borders of the land. Lord, they came to you in their distress. When you disciplined them, they could barely whisper a prayer. As a pregnant woman about to give birth, rise and cries out in her pain, so were we in your presence, Lord. We are with child. We writhe in pain, but we give birth to wind. We have not brought salvation to the earth, and the people of the world have not come to life. The prophet goes on to remind us that God is a God who wants to enlarge his nation. You have enlarged the nation, verse 15, Lord. You have enlarged the nation. God is a God who has a passion for people. He wants to see his kingdom grow during these times. These are opportunities. These are days of opportunity. But he reminds us that when his judgments come upon the earth, the people of the world learn righteousness. But when grace is shown to the wicked, they do not learn righteousness. Even in a land of uprightness, they go on doing evil and they do not regard the majesty of the Lord. This virus, in one sense, shouldn't have come as a surprise to us. Scientists and others for many years have warned us that it was only a matter of time before a pandemic would sweep the earth. We were long due one. Indeed, we perhaps have cause to be thankful that COVID-19, however serious it is for people who are vulnerable or people who take a bad reaction to it, actually isn't as deadly as it could have been. There was a great virus, the Spanish flu of 1918. 65 million people, they estimate, died from it. And so we have cause to be thankful that although it's serious, this virus, it doesn't kill all who get it. But nonetheless, its impact, as I said at the beginning, on our society, in some ways, is even more severe than what happened 100 years ago. Our economy has effectively stopped. Our country has had to borrow billions, hundreds of billions of pounds. Countless tens of thousands of people are out of work. The social cohesion of our society is strained. And as time goes on, no doubt more and more of us will become weary of the lockdown and the restrictions that we're having to live under. But God is speaking. That's why I said right at the very beginning, I'm hesitant in many ways to say too much, to add to what God is saying. I think we need to listen to what God is saying through his word and what he's saying through the events. We need to be careful. We don't try to 
blind that out. We can hear so much in the news and the radio. We can have so much modern communication round about us that we don't take seriously what God is saying, that when his judgments come upon the earth, that is when the people of the world learn righteousness. When grace is shown, the day of grace is shown, well, we know it's true. Most people don't care. Don't care. They don't give a toss. They just carry on, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow. Well, tomorrow is ours to live on the wall. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you may die. So God's desire to see his nation grow, his people grow, is in the context of God speaking through all that is happening. And we need to listen. We need to listen to him. That's why it's so important to be still in the midst of all of this. So often the church, and I'm not speaking particularly of our own congregation, but so often the church is like what the prophet says. We were a child. We writhed in labor. We gave birth to wind. An interesting picture, isn't it? The church can often be very active. It can be involved in many good things. All different parts of the church, from that part which is theologically liberal, right through to that part which would claim to be theologically evangelical, conservative. We can all get caught up with this activity, with this prophecy, with this word, with this saying, with this life. But actually, it's fruitless. Jesus' command to his people is that they should go and bear much fruit. Jesus' warning to his church is that if it doesn't bear fruit, it will be pruned from the branch. If it simply gives birth to wind rather than producing spiritual children, it's pointless. And while our own fellowship has sought to be faithful, and I would commend us all for seeking to be faithful, it's a word of warning to the church. How easily we shut down. How easily perhaps many congregations have effectively ceased to exist. How serious that is. A warning to us all that in a day when God is judging so that his nation, his people, might grow in not just in numbers but in depth of integrity and security, we have to heed that we have to be those who will bring salvation to our community and that there will be those some of the people of the world who will see and in seeing believe and believing have life. Lastly, verse 19. But your dead will live, Lord, their bodies will rise. Let those who dwell on the dust wake up and shout for joy. Your Jew is like the Jew of the morning. The earth will give birth to our dead. Go, my people, enter your rooms and shut the doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while until his wrath has passed by. See, the Lord is coming out of his dwelling to punish the people of the earth for their sins. The earth will disclose the blood shed on it. The earth will conceal its slain no longer. This year, Easter is going to be very different, isn't it? We're going to have to celebrate it in our home, although I will certainly be down at the church on Good Friday and on Easter Sunday. We won't be able to mark the festival in the way that we have. But here's the promise, even in this prophet, written years before the coming of Jesus, that the dead will live, the bodies will rise, that those who dwell in the dust will wake up and shout for joy. Here's the promise of resurrection. Here's the promise of new beginning. Here's the promise of light, the dawn of light, piercing the gloom. Here's the promise of life instead of death. How we need to live in the light of Easter, especially as we enter 
the Easter season. And perhaps through a card, perhaps through a greeting, perhaps through some other form of message to a neighbor or friend, we can communicate that in Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the life, the hope of the world, there is a promise of a new beginning. Whatever COVID-19 may bring, however long or short this present crisis may be, however deep-lasting the impact on society may be, and I think it will be very deep-lasting, the promise of the resurrection, the message of Easter, the hope of new beginnings, death being surpassed by life, that is the promise the prophet gives. But long before we were all told by the government to self-isolate, lockdown, to stay in our homes, we have this call from the prophet, go my people, enter your rooms, shut the doors behind you and hide yourselves for a little while until his wrath has passed by. Well, we're all in our rooms and in our homes. We have to shut the door. We're only allowed to go out for one form of exercise or to the shops. We're not to engage in public gatherings or social discourse. We therefore have plenty of time to be still. As I said right at the beginning, to be still and know who God is. To hide ourselves, not just geographically in the comfort of our homes, but hide ourselves and shelter ourselves under the shadow of his wing. To discover afresh what the prophet tells us, that he is the rock eternal in the morning and the evening to seek him. Do you read your Bible daily? Do you have notes to help you do that? Do you have a discipline of prayer? I say that to myself as much as I say to you, these are all things, bread and butter things, that should have been part of our life of faith long before this event has happened. But now, if we haven't had that practice, let's discover it or rediscover it. Take time to be holy. Speak oft with the Lord. Spend much time in secret with Jesus, our Lord. We need to do that as we enter our rooms and shut the doors behind us. See, the Lord is coming out of his dwelling to punish the people of the earth for their sins. The earth will disclose the blood shed on it. The earth will conceal its slain no longer. The virus will pass. Thank God. Medicine and scientists no doubt will help us to deal with it. But the consequences of these weeks, they will last far longer a mission opportunity for the church, not to break wind, but to be a means of birthing new children and followers of Jesus. Here is a time to prepare ourselves for that day. And so let's be still and know that there is a God and in a new and deeper way, put our trust in him. Let's pray. God, our Father, we thank you that you are a God who speaks through your word. But you're also the God who speaks through the events of history. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the one who holds the scroll of human history. And so you are speaking through all that is happening in our world and within our nation at the present time. We say sorry that we've been slow to listen. We confess that we have relied upon busyness or activity, our work or even good things like the church and the things we do or the things we're about. 
and we've relied on these things rather than our personal and intimate relationship with you. We've relied on second-hand Christianity, what someone else says, or how something makes us feel. And we say sorry. And we ask that you would have mercy upon us. And at a time when, at least as an institution, the doors of churches are closed, we pray that by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, you will open our hearts and give us ears to hear and that in a you in deep way we will offer our lives for you and for your service that we may indeed be a community of your people who don't break wind but as a place where indeed people will find and meet with the risen Lord Jesus Christ and you children of his kingdom will be born and nurtured. And all of that we ask for the glory and the honour of Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Park Church Podcast. I hope you enjoy the sermon.